I mean, just the nature of covenant, which we see all throughout the Old Testament, is, uh, I think, shows the love of God, that he is faithful to his covenant, despite the fact that over and over and over and over his people are faithless, but that he's faithful to his covenant. That reveals right there the covenant love of the Father, or the covenant love of God, I should say, that should, not have, that should have us not doubt whether or not God is loving. Now, it doesn't mean that he is not also wrathful. He is. But it's, it's wrong to say that the God of the Old Testament is wrathful and the God of the New Testament is not, as, as though they're at odds. Because like you said, Jesus, who we believe and the Bible teaches, is God. He is also talks about wrath. He talks about hell. Welcome to Every Square Inch, a podcast discussing theology, culture, and the Christian life for every believer. I'm Ryan Welsh. Gabe Davis. And we are back. Yeah. We're hey. going today yeah. to do a part two mm-hmm. from the part one we did last week. Yeah, I think it was well received. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, the thing is, we're doing them so fast. Yeah. We don't go that deep. Here's what I think is going to happen. Yeah. I think that it'll be generally appreciated, mm-hmm. but I think there'll be way more questions now. Like, hey, can you go deeper on this? Can you go deeper on this? And the answer yeah. is like, yeah, in time. Yeah. In time. For sure. We totally can. Everyone healthy? In our home? Yeah. Yeah. Before we, before we jump into the, the topic, I was, I mean, you asked me last time uh, what shows we were watching. So I, I was hoping to get your hot take on Tiger King. <laughs> oh, jeez. We did watch, we did watch Tiger King last yeah. week. Uh, mixed feelings. It is, of course, very entertaining. Everybody's talking about this show, so I it haven't is. seen it yet. It, so it's very entertaining. It's also very inappropriate. And the thing is, is at the end, I'm not going to do any spoiler alerts for anybody who hasn't watched it, but at the end, I found myself sad, mm. not entertained, because when you, when you look back at what you just watched, I think there's seven episodes, I think. Mm-hmm. When you look back at what you just watched for the last seven hours, it makes you go, that shouldn't entertain me. <laughs> That's actually like a sign of the fall and human depravity and like it should make me more sad than entertained. Yeah. So I was kind of convicted a little bit. Do you get more end. depressed seeing it play out like in a real show like that or if you watch something like Breaking Bad? Definitely real. Yeah. Even though I know the Breaking Bad stuff, it's obviously exaggerated, but like that is lifestyle of people, right? Right, right. But it's at least I know I'm watching something that's fake. The Tiger King stuff, that's real. I mean like- Is it like, though? It's like reality television. How real is it? I don't think this is the same as reality television. Okay. This is more documentary. Okay. I mean, it is a documentary. Uh-huh. So I don't think it's like real life Seattle, you know, yeah. like it's literally like, written. I'm just always skeptical when you put a camera on someone, how real they actually are. Well, you when know? you watch, if you watch this, I won't, you, we're, can, you we're, can tell me, no, we're, we're more sanctified than that. Oh, geez. <laughs> Let me go through a list of shows he's watching. I'm just kidding. All right, cool. So uh, today we're going to do part two. Uh, last last episode, we, what we did is we answered the first three misconceptions of Christianity. It was, uh, there's not really one def- definition of Christianity. We answered that. Second one was, doesn't conservative Christianity just equal Republican Christianity or Republican? Right. Uh, we answered that. And then we also did, um, uh, does one have to get their act together before coming to Christ? Okay, so we did yeah. those. You didn't hear it. Go back and listen to part one. This is part two. Yep. Gabe, which one do you want to do first? Uh, Christianity is a blind faith. That's a... It's pretty common, I think. Yeah. I I mean, I've heard that both in pejorative, which, you know, pejorative just in a negative way and in a positive way. I guess the negative way would just be, um, yeah, you guys just blindly follow after this belief system. In a positive way, I think sometimes people say, um, yeah, you can't prove it. 
uh, but it works for you and it makes you happy and fulfilled. And um, that is the nature of faith is faith is just blind. It's reason less. And that's just what faith is. Right. I, I hear it both yeah. ways. I, I think in TV shows that are trying to be positive towards spirituality is what typically they would call it. That's what they kind of the tack they take often, it seems like. And I think this is why a lot of, of very light, fluffy Christianity actually ends up being that. Like, believe in yourself. Mm-hmm. You can do this. God's for you. Because that is kind of a blind faith. Mm-hmm. Like, like, for instance, uh, you can do anything you put your mind to. That's literally not true. Yeah. Right. That I mean, I know it's a very and you want to be encouraging to your kids, like of course so, but it's literally not true. Okay, yeah. that's a blind faith. You mean I can do anything? You literally cannot do anything. I mean, that's not a bad. You can do something, <laughs> but you can't do anything, right? right? But before we go any further, I just want to go on record here. Yeah. Gabe just said a word when he was explaining this, and I just want to go on record early in this podcast because you're going to hear Gabe say this word a lot, and he can't pronounce it. Right. Oh no. He says fulfilled. Did I just say it again? You did. You did. <sighs> Instead of fulfilled, he says fulfilled. I promise I'm educated. And uh, educated, right? <laughs> educated. Yeah. Uh, I didn't so, even go to public school. I don't have an excuse. You did. go to. You went to well, all three. That, you went to public, true. private, and public. Or public, yeah, what private. am I talking I, about? I obviously went to public school. I can't even uh, homeschool. <laughs> I did all three. That's why I'm You did all up. three. Yeah. I, did, I did two. I did, uh, I did kindergarten and private. Does that count? I mean, that's probably why you're so good at sharing. <laughs> And then right now we're homeschooling our kids because yeah, right. Right, we don't usually, but everyone's homeschooling. Because you converted. Right That's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Uh, back to the topic. Uh, uh, is Christianity a blind faith? Absolutely not. Uh, the reason I don't... Uh, I, I think even well-meaning Christians sometimes try to defend it as though it is just a blind faith. Just have faith. Yeah, just have faith. Uh, you don't need to understand. You don't know. Now, the truth is sometimes there are things that we are asked to trust that we don't know the answer to. Um, there are times where we are at, we are asked to um, believe something, even without uh, understanding all of the pieces. But it's never a blind faith because it never happens apart from knowing something of who God is, apart from knowing uh, what He's revealed about Himself and His Word. And so, it's never blind. Even the the times when we're called to have faith without knowing all of the answers and all the details, it should be a faith that's rooted in, with confidence in, uh, God and his character, right? Yeah, I mean, we, we, I think we often misunderstand the word faith in general, because we use the word faith in different ways. Mm-hmm. Like when someone says belief yeah. and someone says faith... We generally use those in different ways. Mm-hmm. We generally think of a belief as they believe something that they have a reason to believe. Yeah. And faith often is this idea of a blind faith. Mm-hmm. Pie in the sky, blind faith. Um, uh, I just have faith that my dog's going to come home that ran yeah. away. Okay. Okay. What do we mean when we say faith? Do you mean you have a belief based on the fact that your dog's run away before and he's come back? Uh, the fact that you live in a neighborhood and someone will see your dog and bring him back possibly? Or is this just like a pie in the sky, I'm trying to be positive, and I have faith? So, but but biblically speaking, the reason I was bringing this up is biblically speaking, um, the, the, the word pistis, uh, uh, faith in Scripture, carries the idea of belief and trust. 
Not yeah, pie in the sky. I love the sort of three category description or three uh, tiered description of faith. Um, the uh, Natisha, Ascensus, and Fiducia, I believe, which is, you know, uh, mental ascent. The Latin, Latin words yeah, used exactly. to. The, the, and kind of breaking down what does faith mean. So it, it's the mental ascent, meaning I know, um, well, first, Natisha is the, the information. I actually know information. There are facts. That's That gets right there. That means it can't be a blind faith because there's actually content to the faith. So uh, that's Natisha is, is actually believing certain facts and having information. And then uh, a census is actually mentally assenting to those concepts, meaning I, I think this is actually real. I think this is true. Um, but you can do those two things and not have saving faith, meaning you could know the, the facts about Jesus and about, the, about his resurrection. Um, you could even actually believe that those things are true, but ultimately not have any saving faith because of a lack of that third one, which is trust. Do you actually trust these things? Do you trust that Jesus is the one who saves you? Do you, do you trust him? So um, I, that's the way I like breaking down faith. I've, I find that helpful personally, at least. Yeah, the word, I said pistis earlier, the, the, the root word there is pistuo. Mm-hmm. And like the, the, the very base Greek lexicon definition is this, to believe to the extent of complete trust and reliance. That is an evidence-based faith. So you're going to mock me for not pronouncing fulfilled correctly, and then you're going to break down Greek grammar. Great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did not break down Greek grammar, nor will I ever do that on this show. Uh, um, no, I'm, I mean, I'm looking at it right now. I have my yeah. Logos Bible software open. It's not like I knew that from memory. Oh, okay. I don't memorize the definition of the stuo <laughs> or anything. Uh, yeah, so, so I think we kind of did big, big picture there, but, but I think we can go a little further and say even the miracles, like let's say, so Easter was two weeks ago. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you talk about the empty tomb. Okay. Mm-hmm. There, there are, there, there's, there's evidence for the empty tomb. The, the empty tomb is the actual, the resurrection is the best, most reasonable explanation of the empty tomb. Why? Because of faith. Mm. Well, yeah, because of faith, but, but a, a faith that's grounded in historical Events. evidence. Yeah. Right. Christianity right. is unique. Yep. In that it's a religion, I, it, it's a religion in a classical sense. Yeah, in a mm-hmm. classical sense, it's a system of beliefs mm-hmm. um, that is actually based on historical events, not somebody who had a vision of something and then taught people. Not primarily a philosophy. It's no, it's no, it's not. <laughs> um, and and so Christianity is not a blind faith. There's a reason why billions of people since the first century, have been, become Christians. And that is that from the very beginning, a whole bunch of men who were Jewish, who would never believe that God and that God can be man. I mean, these are Jews here. They, 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 they know their Old Testament. God and man are so separate. The tabernacle, the temple, so separate. God is holy. They are not. For them to believe, to walk around this earth with Jesus and end up believing that he's God, they are the least likely group of people to believe, the Jews, to believe that God could be man. And for them to believe that he rose from the grave, for them to go out, not only start the church, but be, be killed and tortured for their faith, they saw it. They saw the empty tomb. They saw Jesus. There is historical Evidence, really good historical evidence for our faith. It is not a blind faith. Yeah, Christianity is not anti-intellectual. We both like school. I wish I could do more school, but uh, my wife kept wanting to have kids. You have four kids? (laughs) I do have four kids. That's four more degrees right there, (laughs) Gabe. 
<laughs> I, and, I'm, and I'm lying, actually. I, I was the one that kept uh, saying more kids. So, um, but I, I mean, really, we we love education. We love studying. We love. I love talking to folks that uh, love to study, love to engage their mind. I love talking to uh, Christians in the field of science or. Um, uh, man, just really anything. I, I, I mean, love talking to ethical uh, ethicists, yeah. um, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, the reason or Christian philosophers, uh, reason is important. It, it is not what saves us. You can't. We don't believe that you can reason anybody into faith. Um, the Holy Spirit is the only one who can regenerate anyone. But we do believe that reason is important. And so, you don't have to. If you're a Christian, don't. Don't believe the lie that you that faith is blind. That you just have blind faith, um, kind of an anti-intellectual belief system. It's okay to study. It's good to study. It and hopefully, if you're listening to this podcast, you believe that. So hopefully, we can help you in some way. Yeah, and that. to bring this down to the like ground level for those listening, like how can this help them? Well, if you have non-Christian friends or family that ask you for a reason for something you believe, don't just say, "Well, I just have faith." Yeah. Because, you know, like, look into it a little bit, and, and if, if the God we worship really is the creator of heaven and earth, then it means that there is evidence here on this earth of him. He's the one that created it. So I, I think something you could do is to, to maybe try to prove to somebody that Christianity isn't a blind faith. Just ask somebody who's not a Christian, how do you think we got here? How do you think this all came to be? You know, maybe they'll go through the evolution and stuff like that, the evolutionary um, um, theory and stuff. But you can, you can help them see that there is evidence of a creator there's evidence that scripture is telling the truth. There's evidence of historical facts like the resurrection, the empty tomb, um, that it really took place. And so it's definitely not a blind faith. That, that is really to sell the events that God has done in history short, to say he's a blind faith. Yeah, I mean, the, the verse that I feel like is probably every apologist's favorite verse is uh, 1 Peter 3.15. Um, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason, there's that word, for the hope that is in you. And this is also Don't important. read. Don't read the next part. No. <laughs> yeah, do it you're with gonna, gentleness oh, and respect. You're ruining the... <laughs> Did you I ruin, ruin the verse when you read the last... I'm just kidding. Yeah, because then everybody <laughs> doesn't just get to rip people. We don't usually read that last yeah, part. That's right? true. Yeah, cool. All but, right. So but yeah, give, give a reason for the defense, or give a reason for the hope that is within you. Mm-hmm. Right. That's right. Okay, so that was uh, number one for mm-hmm. this episode. Let's do number two. Let's go to this. Uh, yeah, I've heard this quite a bit. Here we go. Once we're Christians, our works don't matter. Meaning, now that my sin's been forgiven for eternity, for, for my past, present, and future have been forgiven, it doesn't matter what I do, I'm forgiven. Yay. Mm-hmm. So we, we say that's a misconception. Mm-hmm. Okay, why? Why is that a misconception? Why is that not true? Well, I think sometimes, sadly, the folks that I hear articulate this, really what it means is they have a cheap understanding of grace that they think of grace as something that was just meant to get them in the uh, in the pearly gates, so to speak. They think of grace as something that was just about uh, taking care of their sin problem. And now, although, I, man, I don't hear that many Christians just say, now I can do whatever I want. But functionally, they don't take their growth and godliness seriously. They don't take pursuing holiness seriously. They don't take sin seriously. They just kind of live frivolous lives, and they ultimately rest on the fact that, well, I received grace, so I'm good to go. Right? Yeah, you're right. It's usually more of a functional thing. Yeah. You don't hear a lot of people saying, 
I don't need to obey. Yeah, so, I mean, if you're a Christian, then this would be for you. Do you uh, believe that Christ saved you, um, but then also do you believe that he has commissioned you? Do you believe that his commands are for your good? Do you believe that you are meant to seek to obey his commands? Um, Hopefully, every Christian should say yes to that. And when we uh, think that... um, our works don't matter. I feel like we're ultimately acting as though the reason that God saved us was just to get us to now kind of chill out and wait for heaven. Yeah. It's a lazy, uh, almost like a fatalistic understanding. Well, mm-hmm. I'm a sinner. I'm always going to be a sinner. God save me, whatever, and I'll have to try. Um, so you just read 1 Peter 3.15, and you read the last part, yeah. which is usually forgotten. Based on this question, I'm going to read another passage, and I'm also going to read the last part, which is usually forgotten. Okay, This is one of those tattoo verses. Okay, People have tattoos of this verse, but they don't usually include verse 10. Ephesians 2, uh, verses 8 through 10. Usually it's just 8 and 9, because 8 and 9 sounds so good. Here it is. <laughs> For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift. It's rather the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. Okay, that's great, right? Amen. Yeah. The gospel. And then the very next word, verse 10, for, for, we are his workmanship. Created for. Created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works. Good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Okay, so... Looking at the text, not I'm not uh, no opinions here. I'm just looking at the text right now. Okay, what it says is this: We were saved by grace through faith, not based on our own works. Okay, not based on our works. Therefore, we can't boast. The very next thing, I'm going to include the word here, but because that's what he's saying here. But you weren't saved by works, but you were created to do good works. God prepared those works beforehand. Now you should walk in them. Okay, so we're saved without works. We're saved by the work of Christ on the cross alone. Yet, we are created to do good works. So our works certainly, so certainly what's, what's the point of our good works? Point of our good works is, I would say, one, to glorify God, mm-hmm. and two, to serve our neighbor. Love God, love neighbor, right? Mm-hmm. That's all the law is summed up with love God, love neighbor. And a lot, I mean, every good work we do, it is loving neighbor. It's loving the uh, loving our next-door neighbor. It's loving a family member. We're doing, we're obeying Scripture, in obeying Scripture, it is good for us and good for our neighbor when we obey Scripture. Now, we don't always see God's commands that way. We, we should, but we're not very good at it. God's commands are not arbitrary. They are good for us. He's the creator who created us the way he did. Therefore, when he commands us something, it's for our good. He knows better than we do. So when we obey, those are good works, and they're good for us and good for our neighbor. Yeah, one of the things that uh, I think we could talk about at some point, I know you'd be really interested in this, but uh, do our works matter eternally? Mm. You mean with the whole reward thing? Yeah, yeah. Because I, I so I, I mean, we don't have to get into that a ton. Obviously, we don't have time, but but that is sometimes a, a motivation that I hear people expand sort of your good works. Like they they actually matter, and people do different things. Um, jewels in your crown, right? So, which is a joke I often tell. Yeah. Right when people yeah. go like, you know. People do something nice. I'm like, hey, man, that's a big jewel in your crown. That's a jewel in your crown, yeah. Uh, I I think that thing seems like it'd get pretty heavy after a while. Very heavy. Especially, Mm -hmm. I mean, 
Yeah, for some of which us, which is I a really like... good reason not to do good works, right? Yeah, don't do good works here, or else heaven will be brutal because you have a heavy crown on your head yeah, the a big whole old time. Crown. Yeah, and then what do you do with the the crown, right? Mm-hmm. Even biblically in that language, depending on how you interpret and understand that, you cast it at Jesus' feet. So, but I have heard that debate of do our uh, do our good works matter not just here in a temporal sense, but do they matter eternally? Yeah, should our reward quote, reward mm-hmm. in heaven. The Bible does talk about this. Should that be a motivation? Should that for motivate us to do works now? For me, just on the face of it, we can study yeah. this more later. On the face of it, I hate that motivation. Yeah. Because it seems like it's self-motivated and it's no longer good works for God and neighbor. It's for us. Mm. I hate that motivation. Mm. But I will admit this. Yeah. I will admit there are numerous places in scripture where it yeah. talks about eternal heavenly rewards. Mm-hmm. I don't quite know how to interpret those. Yeah. I struggle with it. Yeah, because... You you want to take the text seriously, obviously, but you don't want people's motivation to be, oh, I'm serving this guy, but Jesus better give me a fat jewel in my crown when I get to heaven. Right? That seems just totally mm-hmm. counterintuitive mm-hmm. to uh, the point of of good works. So yeah, yeah I, I think that might be interesting to break down. We should do a, just a whole podcast episode at some point on eschatology, just end times, uh, heaven, hell, uh, end times views. Right? I need to brush up on my Left Behind series before we do that. <laughs> hey, man, with wars and rumors of wars going on and I know, plagues right? and know, right? earthquakes and, you know, you, you did mention time. The, you did mention the other day you've been hearing people talk about that, right? I literally, yeah. Like with this coronavirus I've gotten stuff? texts and, and, uh, from friends saying, okay, but seriously, should we be wondering if this is the end times with, with everything going on? So, uh, yeah, that might be a good podcast episode at some point. Yeah. If you want to hear that episode, uh, go to every square inch podcast at gmail.com. Email us and let us know if that's a podcast episode you'd be interested in. Why do you do that? <laughs> it's just to put, because, just to box you in. Because this is what you're doing. Uh-huh. You are guaranteeing uh-huh. we're going to get that email now. If we get one email, no. <laughs> All right. Man. That derailed the whole thing. I'm yeah, sorry. It did. What were we talking yeah. about? <laughs> Once we're Christians, our works don't matter. That's the yeah. misconception, right? Yeah. And we would say our works matter certainly now and that they're glorifying to God, that it's a command. It's it's for our good. So in that way it is actually it's it's not self-motivated, but it is for our good when we yeah. obey the Lord. So yeah. it, it goes well for us or better for us, yeah. right? Because we're created to live according to the way that God has designed us. And so it's for our good. Um, it's glorifying to God and it's loving to our neighbor. Right? It maybe maybe just for clarity's sake. I mean, yeah. So obviously these are our words. Mm-hmm. Once we are Christians, our works don't matter. That's the misconception. Yeah. Maybe just because we wrote this, maybe just to, to define what what how it matters. Yeah. Because some people go, oh, so our good works matter? Well, they do matter, but matter for what? Do they matter to keep your salvation? No. Do right. they matter so that when God looks at you, he'll be he'll he'll, he'll smile like you upon you? Yeah. No, that's not why they matter. They matter in the sense that it's loving to God and loving to neighbor. Mm-hmm. They they and it's good for us. So it's good mm-hmm. for God, neighbor, and us. That's why they matter. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but remember in the in the passage here, Ephesians two ten, he created us to do these things. Yeah, and I do believe that it pleases God when we do good works. I think I, it, it brings him pleasure that I he delights in that. I believe it's glorifying to God when we obey him. Mm-hmm. And at the same, the only the only counterbalance there is what you don't want to say is that when we disobey, God is disappointed. He's angry. We need to remember that he's already poured out all of his anger and disappointment on his son. Okay? So maybe that's another episode. We've got so many episodes <laughs> to talk about here. Um, uh, so we don't want to say that he's glorified when we sin. In the same way he's glorified when we obey, meaning 
directly from us. Right. We don't want to say that. Biblically speaking, we don't want to say that. But but we also don't want to say that, like, God's really angry with me today. Mm-hmm. No, he's, he's literally not. He literally poured out his anger on his son. He's not angry with you. But but he does discipline us so that we yeah. might be more glorifying to him because mm-hmm. he and because he loves us, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So I think he is... Uh, uh, displeased with disobedience and he's pleased with obedience. Now he's not displeased in a get away from me sort of way. I know I do not know you and he's not displeased with us in a way that is you're no longer my sons and daughters, but I do think that he is dis- displeased when we're disobedient and that he is pleased with us when we're obedient. Yeah, it's certainly against his desired will. Yeah. His, his desired will in scripture is our sanctification. Right. Right? He will he will sanctify us. Mm-hmm. And yet when we sin, he's not responsible for us sinning. Right. Isn't that a weird paradox? It's a weird paradox. Yeah, yeah intensity. You would do that. <laughs> I don't like the word intensity yeah. as much as paradox, but that's a different situation. Okay, yeah. let, let's let's do a uh, number. What do we do so far? We did, is Christianity a blind faith? No. Once we're Christians, our works don't matter. That's not true. Uh, the Old Testament God. That's matter. the next one that we're on. The last one, yes. Yeah. Is the Old Testament God is a God of wrath, and the New Testament God is a God of love. This is another one I think that even Christians sometimes believe, that they believe this misconception. Functionally, right? Yeah. Even if they don't admit it. They don't. Yeah, I think functionally they show sometimes that they they believe this when they just ignore the Old Testament because uh, it just seems too strange, too weird. The God there, they don't totally know what to deal with. You know, when He's uh, commanding the Israelites to go and and wipe out men, women, children, livestock, they don't know what to do with that, and so they just go. Uh, it seems like God matured a bit in the New Testament, and so I'm just going to focus God, there. God matured. I mean, bit. functionally, it seems like that's what they say sometimes, that's you know? So like, funny. he yeah. uh, he grew, um, he evolved, he grew more loving, and, uh, or, or sometimes, sadly, they do, uh, again, kind of functionally, they, they turn God into three distinct, with no um, distinct beings, in the sense of God the Father is the wrathful one, Jesus is loving, and then the Holy Spirit is, you know, the Holy Spirit empowers, etc. So sometimes people do that also, where God the Father was kind of the, the one operating in the Old Testament, Jesus is the one operating in the New Testament, and as Christians, we worship Jesus, and yeah, God the Father's there too, which is just mm-hmm. so not the way that yeah. we're meant to understand Scripture or God. The way that I like to answer uh, this misconception is I what I like to do is I like to show that the that God in the Old Testament is incredibly gracious and merciful, and I, then I like to show people that Jesus isn't some some uh, hippie with just just go love each other, everything's fine, and that Jesus talks about hell. Yeah, and Jesus says, "I, I came not to bring peace, but a sword." It's so, interesting. Like if people could, if the Pharisees, like the Pharisee perspective of Jesus, I don't think was he's just so nice and sweet no. and loving. <laughs> You know, so Jesus said some pretty, I mean, yeah, you brood of vipers, right? I mean, he he called Peter Satan. Yeah. (laughs) Right. If Jesus was just nice, sweet, loving, I don't think he would have been crucified. So what I want to do first here is I just want to first, uh, big picture, God in the Old Testament is incredibly gracious and merciful. Read the books, the books of Genesis and Exodus, first books of the Bible, and look at God's grace to an undeserving people. It's it's extraordinary. And then, specifically, I want to read uh, two verses from Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7. This is the first time in the entirety of Scripture where God describes himself. Up to this point, he's given us his name, Yahweh. Uh, He's told them how to worship him. 
He's told them to build the tabernacle, but here he actually described himself. Listen to this. The first description God gives of himself in the entire Bible, in the Old Testament. The Lord passed before him. That's Moses. Moses' shining face is going on right here, okay? He proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, the God is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Now, I'm going to stop there just for a second. I'm going to keep reading, but I'm stop there. That's the first thing he says about himself. Yep. Okay, now I'm going to keep going on because there's, there's, there's a justice side too. Here we go. But who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So you get there, it's justice. He will not clear the guilty, but he is, I'm going to read them off, merciful, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness keeping steadfast love for thousands. Mm-hmm. Okay, That's the Old Testament. I mean, I'm saying this in air quotes. That's the Old Testament God. That's just God. God is the same, right? He right. doesn't change Malachi 3.6. He doesn't change. Um, and then in the New Testament, I'm not going to read because of time. I'm not going to read specific passages, but you guys have probably heard this stat before, and it's true. Jesus talks more about hell than heaven in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. He talks about hell quite a bit. He gives this par- Do you remember the parable of Lazarus and the rich man? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Jesus made up that story, hmm. and it's kind of a brutal parable. Did he make it up? What do you mean? Did he make it maybe, up? Maybe he was a real person. Well, it's a it, well, it's a parable. Maybe. It's not a real story. You don't think so? I don't. Oh, I don't. Okay. I think Lazarus is a made up person. Okay. And I think the rich man's a made up person. Okay. I mean, there is a Lazarus, mm-hmm. and there of course are rich people. Um, the point I was making is Jesus talks about hell mm-hmm. more than he talks about heaven. Jesus is not the nice one, and God the Father in the Old Testament is the mean one. They're both uh, they're both two members of the Trinity, the Godhead, and they're the same today and yesterday and forever. Yes. Right. And so they are. They they uh, God, they. I shouldn't say they. God. <laughs> yes. They, they. I'm saying they referring to the Trinity, but, right. but I'm just going to say God. I know what you mean. God, God is uh, merciful and gracious, mm-hmm. and he's just. Mm-hmm. And so he's just in all his ways. And so does he punish sin? Yes. Doesn't mean he's a mean God, but he punishes sin. But he is so gracious to his people throughout, throughout, throughout the entirety of Scripture. I mean, just the nature of covenant, which we see all throughout the Old Testament, is... Uh, I think shows the love of God, that he is faithful to his covenant, despite the fact that over and over and over and over his people are faithless, but that he's faithful to his covenant. That reveals right there Mm -hmm. the covenant love Mm -hmm. of the Father, of the covenant love of God, I should say, um, that that should have us not doubt whether or not God is loving. Now, it doesn't mean that he is not also wrathful. He is. But it's it's wrong to say that the God of the Old Testament is wrathful and the God of the New Testament is not. As if they're like, at odds as, or something? As though they're yeah. at odds. Because like you said, Jesus, who we believe in the Bible teaches, is God. He is also talks about his uh, wrath. He talks about mm-hmm. hell. So, um, What's really yeah. interesting about this discussion is in Malachi 3.6, very well-known passage, yeah. where we talk about the immutability of God. God doesn't change. The reason he gives that he doesn't change is because of his love. It says, mm-hmm. for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore... You, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. He says, I don't change, because if I did change, it would be bad for you. Yeah. Think so. of the story of Hosea, right? What he mm-hmm. calls Hosea to do. Yep. Um, yep. Hosea and Gomer. So, That's I mean, right. I just, I, I think God is a loving God, but he is also a holy God, which means that his wrath does uh, get poured out on sin. Uh-huh. I don't think, if, if, one is, if one is taking it seriously, I don't think it's hard to pick up 
the Bible and read any part of the Old Testament and to see the graciousness and mercy of God in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. even in the passages that might seem the hardest for someone to do it, look like the passages where he he's he's commanding battle. Ask yourself the question why he's doing that. Ask yourself the question who, who it's gracious to. Mm-hmm. It's it's not just for God. It's for him to be gracious to his people because that that itself glorifies God. I, I just thought of this too. I mean, the most glaring example of God's wrath, I think, in all of Scripture is in the New Testament. Uh, what, what would that be? That's the cross, <laughs> yeah, right? right? I mean, that's the most uh, the, the most wrathful we see God is to in pour it out on his son. Yeah, but that's the, the, that's the mean God doing it to the nice God. <laughs> <laughs> and yet Jesus willingly goes to the cross yeah. and says, right, that he'll submit to the plan of the Father and that mm-hmm. this is the plan before the foundations of the world. So, I mean, I... I yeah. yeah. It is. The, uh, most, the most brutal event in scripture is done at the end. I shouldn't say at the end. It, yeah, it's done at the end of the Gospels. And w- which happens uh, completely in accord within the Trinity, meaning yep. Jesus did not go unwillingly. He went willingly to the mm-hmm. cross. That's right. Yep. Well, so this is the part two of our of our six misconceptions. Uh, what we've done in, in these six, just to review, uh, there's only one, or there is no one definition of Christianity. We we have said yes, there is. Uh, we have then we did. Uh, does conservative Christianity just equal Republican? And we talked about that. Uh, then we did uh, one. Uh, does one have to get their act together before coming to Christ? And the answer, of course, is no. Then what we did is Christianity is a blind faith. No, it's not a blind faith. There's a lot of evidence for it. Then what we said, uh, what we looked at is um, once we're Christians, our works don't matter. And we said, well, based on, depending on how you define matter, yes, they do matter. They just don't matter for your salvation, but they matter. And then lastly, the Old Testament God is a God of wrath and the New Testament God is a God of love. And we said that is absolutely not true. That's right. There's the six misconceptions. There's a lot more misconceptions. Yeah, if you think of uh, maybe misconceptions you've heard or questions you have uh, about Christianity or whatever, uh, go to everysquareinchpodcast at gmail.com or the website everysquareinchpodcast.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Every Square Inch. If you'd like to find out more about Ryan, Gabe, or the podcast, just go to everysquareinchpodcast.com or find us on Facebook and Twitter. We hope you'll join us next time, and God bless.